Among the themes from this week's readings from the Old Testament, the Psalm, and the Gospel, the one I needed to hear most was the one of rest. It's repeated throughout. Like in the Second Samuel reading, for example, buried there is, the Lord will give you rest from all your enemies. Rest. And then the first thing Jesus says to the disciples who are returning from their successful journeys, healing and preaching and casting out demons, the first thing he says is, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. And even the psalm speaks to a kind of rest through its familiarity. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures, which is a kind of rest. So rest kept coming back to me. And perhaps this week, I especially needed it as I'm alone here this week. Peggy's on a much-needed vacation. And we're in an exceptionally busy month of weddings and baptisms and funerals. Rest was the cosmic message I needed to hear as we navigate yet another spike in coronavirus cases in our community. And as we talked about earlier, the need to return to earlier masking and communion practices. Rest. I think we could all use some kind of rest. Rest from the continued division that haunts our nation and our world. Rest from this pandemic. Rest from the busyness that populates so much of our daily lives, from the 24-hour news cycle, from social media, from international strife. Rest. And one of the most unique aspects of the Judeo-Christian tradition is this emphasis on rest. It's found in none other than the Ten Commandments, literally inscribed in stone. There is the commandment to rest. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. And that sounds like rest. And this commandment is right up there with murder and adultery and theft. This commandment to rest. Now in our lives, it's funny how we've let this particular commandment slide over the centuries. That God might somehow let this one slip through. Because God sees how busy we are and allows for a little yard work or shopping or email on a Sabbath Sunday. Now in the gospel, despite Jesus' invitation to rest, that also seems to go unheeded, much like today. People are literally running ahead of them to greet them at the shoreline before they push off. They don't have a second of rest. And in the midst of this chaos, this unrelenting busyness Jesus demonstrates what is quite possibly the most important thing I can do as a pastor or you can do as a leader of any kind for our communities. Jesus has compassion for them. We're told he saw a great crowd and he had compassion for them because they were like a sheep without a shepherd and he began to teach them many things. When life becomes overwhelming, when the demands multiply, the response is compassion. And I'd like to say I'm pretty good at that, but anyone who's seen me overwhelmed on an unusually crazy Sunday morning knows better. I have this way that my eyes flash when I'm stressed out. It's hard for me to hide my feeling of being overwhelmed. Jesus is described as feeling compassion toward people at least eight times in the Gospels, and it is characteristic of his entire healing practice. And in fact, compassion can be, said to be, can be said to be part of the essence of the Christ and by reflection of the God who created us and before whom all life is lived. Compassion. 
And in the context of the ancient religions, a compassionate God is a true innovation. Most deities are vengeful, full of wrath, angry, or vindictive. They're called to protect and strengthen and ward off the enemy. Sometimes we still like to turn our gods into that, or our gods. But think about it. Think of the gods of Greek mythology, or the other ancient Near Eastern gods, like in in Egypt, or like Baal. Ours is uniquely positioned as a god of compassion, who yearns for us to return to right relationship with our enemy, with our neighbor, with our god. Abraham Heschel claimed that, quote, God is moved and affected by what happens in the world. God is concerned about the world and shares its faith, end quote. This God of compassion is most fully realized in Christ's passion. His compassion goes with us, even unto death. Now, in the English, compassion, the word lacks the death that its Latin roots imply. And we often think of it as a synonym for pity. You feel, you feel bad for someone. It made me think of the word in other languages and a quick Google search later, and I chanced on the German. And like so many other words in German, they've nailed, they've literally nailed the meaning of compassion in the word they use for it. Mitleid, which literally means suffering with. Now, pity, as we think about compassion, is something that can be done at a distance. You know, I can feel bad for you, just stay over there. Mitleid, you can't do that at a distance. That suffering with is close at hand. You can't have compassion unless you suffer with those you're referring to. And Jesus' passion revealed the depth of his, depth of his compassion, his suffering with, to all of humankind, to all of creation. And we contradict our being, our new being in Christ, if we don't have that same compassion to others. Jesus' resurrection is the promise that we'll find reward, we'll find eternal reward in that compassion. So Jesus and the disciples get to the other side, to Gennesaret, and they still have no time for rest. They're surrounded everywhere they go. The sick are brought in on mats. Imagine scenes not unlike those our hospitals faced last year or that we're now seeing in places like India or Brazil or Venezuela today. Folks crying out, crowding, pushing each other, pressing in on Jesus, doing anything just to touch his cloak, just to be healed. It's a raw image, and it's made much more so by its recent appearance on our television screens and in our lives. And it speaks to the desperation that hurting people will go to for relief from pain. Now, in our Western stoicism, we're unlikely to see it, or if we do, we're made a little uncomfortable when people get a little too out of hand with their grief or their discomfort. But I wonder if, in our busyness, we demonstrate that same kind of desperation. It's just been internalized. We stay busy to avoid the alternative, fearing it will be emptiness and desperation that we're faced with. So we stay glued to our screens. We fill our days with week and weeks with stuff, anything to avoid the silences. And maybe that's why the call to rest is so dominant throughout the Bible, even in the commandments. God reminds us, God commands us to rest because God knows that's when we can let God in. God sees our deep hunger and gives us Jesus, the compassionate one, 
the one who suffers with us. We don't even need to touch his cloak to be healed. We simply rest and let his grace pour over and through us and be welcomed home. Amen.